It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. Do it, Larry. The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. Take a knee, boys. Grab a knee on the Andy Thompson Show. All right, let's do it, Larry. What a weekend. Grab a knee. Helmet's not a chair. And uh, let's talk about it. This is the ninth straight pass play for Washington. Penix going far side. End zone. Odunze. Revenge. Let's start with Utah. Utah on the road against Washington. It's rainy. Washington has the Heisman. They're 8-0, 9-0 now. Going to go to the college football playoff. Utah prevented the miracle from happening. And it's hard to find something to criticize about the Utes this season, especially this game. You're on the road. You're not supposed to compete. You're not supposed to win. You're a big underdog, almost double digits. And a miracle happens. The pig man comes out in the first half and is slinging the ball around. He can't do anything wrong. He's 13 for 17, 230-something yards, two touchdowns. Everything is working. You're aggressive. You're running tempo against Washington. He's out Penixing Penix. And then the second half, you come out with a lead. In the first half, the Pig Warrior had 13 completions for 238 yards and two scores. In the second half, he had four total completions the entire second half. First first drive of the second half, three and out punt. Second drive, three and out punt. Then you've got the interception, which wasn't a throw. wasn't an aggressive throw. It was a check down, four-yard throw that gets tipped, intercepted. The Husky goes and pulls a Kalen Clay, drops it on the one-yard line, and then Utah gets it, then gets a safety the next play, punts their next possession, and then on their desperation drive, he throws another interception. But the lesson to be learned here is... Utah was so thrilled to be ahead against Washington for all the reasons we talked about. You're not supposed to win this game. Washington's going to win the Pac-12. They're supposed to go to the college football playoff. Your season's basically over, Utah. Even going into this game, there's an outside chance if you knock them off, you can get to the to the Pac-12 championship game again. You've got to lead at halftime. What do you do? Do you stick with the full throttle approach with the Pig Warrior? No. You completely scale it down. You don't have one throw in the second half, even attempted. And now this is before the desperation drive at the end, but not one throw except to Devon Vele for a 23-yarder. Every other throw is less than 10 yards. It's less than 7 yards. You don't give your offense a chance to go and win the game for six possessions in the second half. You mail it in, go into the fetal position, play sphincter ball, and you lose. Now, like I said before, this is picky because it's hard to criticize this Utah team at all this year, especially on the road against Washington. Everybody's hurt. You're playing without your quarterback, your running backs, your best your best defensive player, Lander Barton's out, and on and on and on. And you still were in a position to win. That is the default position that Coach Whittingham puts you in in most games. When you're that good in the trenches, that physical, that bought into a defensive philosophy, you're going to have a chance to win game. Now, Penix went and got his. He threw for 360 and a couple touchdowns. But especially in that first half, Utah was bothering him. They were collapsing the pocket. They were chasing him around. They were hitting him if they weren't sacking him. I think they only sacked him once. 
that's the default position Whittingham puts you in to where you're going to be competitive kind of regardless. There's been a couple games this year where that wasn't the case. Oregon State on the road and then Oregon at home. Every other game, you know, they've either won or they've been in it like against Washington. But that's my one criticism, Larry, and I hate to do it. We'll hear from Coach uh, Kyle Whittingham on the Coach's Show tomorrow. We'll also hear from him on the Polygraph Press Conference tomorrow, Larry, up in Blanding, Utah. We're sending Lawrence up there again this week, right, Larry? Yes. You'll be up there? Yes. And we'll get Coach uh, Whittingham's take on it. I hope Washington gets it in, gets into the college football playoff. If they're undefeated and a Pac-12 champion, I think they should be able to. We'll go through more of that. Later on, as we march through, grab a knee here, Larry. Let's go to BYU. What do we got? They're watching the film, but my first um, response to that is probably guys not not believing in in, in the system and not believing in what we were doing. Uh, there's a lot of missed tackles of the um, mistakes with the fundamentals. There's just uh, missed tackles, body position, a lot of guys uh, slipping all over the place, not making plays, and um, defensively, You have to stop the run. You have to figure out a way to stop the run. Pathetic effort by BYU. Cougar Nation is in shambles. Um, Here was my thought. Going through Cougar board, reading all the stuff about cleats. How do we not have the right cleats? (laughs) They're slipping all over the place. Iowa State is not slipping at all. BYU is slipping. That's not why they lost. They lost because they weren't even close to being as good of a football team as Iowa State. Um... The third and two end around, I'm just going some of the the mental notes I made, going to the fullback on third and two, and he slips and falls. The same guy that fumbled earlier on in the game was a curious decision. And then the defense looked like the defense looked at times last year, like against Arkansas and like against Liberty, where they throw a little swing pass, and it's a 70-yard touchdown. The running back is just running free whenever he wants to. For tons of yards. So that is a... This is one of the worst... Uh, TCU is bad. This is the worst loss of the year because it's at home. You're doing your blackout. You're still bowl eligible. And now you've got Oklahoma... Or you're fighting for bowl eligibility to get that sixth win. Now you've got Oklahoma at home. And then you finish in Stillwater against Oklahoma State, who just got killed by UCF, but is likely not going to let that happen at home. Here's my Here's my big overarching thought for BYU is... The transition into the Big 12 couldn't have come at a better time in college football in that all of the things that precluded BYU from having a lot of success, namely the recruiting restrictions, the honor code, hiring a coach from a grander pool other than active LDS coaches, etc., are diminished now, meaning the excuses for why you would struggle are diminished now because of the NIL. If I'm BYU, my number one focus is saying, look, BYU, our biggest criticism about the program is that the that the church is not investing in the program enough, not giving us the resources, the facilities, paying our coaches enough, etc. They don't prioritize being good at football as much as BYU fans think that they should, most of them, right? The way you can get past that in this era is the NIL. Now, BYU is known for having one of the best business schools around, the Marriott School of Business. They've got graduates lining up and down the Silicon Slopes, up in Lehigh, Utah, 
Ryan Smith, the new skin guy, the Domo guy. All of these guys are billionaires. And it is amazing to me how far behind BYU is, not just of Utah, but of other teams in the Big 12. You look at Texas Tech, who's in dumpy old Lubbock, Texas. They have one of the top 10 NIL collectives in the country. They've just put it together because they said, look, we've sucked forever, but this NIL stuff allows anybody who really wants to to organize and bring money in. So BYU, who has a worldwide campus, who has all of these alumni who have gone on and done great business things, and three, not just alumni. They have they have uh, LDS members all over the world who are BYU fans, even if they never attended BYU. That's a huge advantage, and we, ha- and we hear about it all the time. Anywhere BYU goes in the country, they're going to sell tickets. The big push right now for Tom Homo, and I know that they've got the Cougar, let's see, the Royal Blue Collective, and they got Coug Connect. They need to ramp those up huge. And here's what I would do. I would go and get big-name guys to come and save the transition into the Big 12 and bring BYU back to its glory, basically. Steve Young, you got from Silicon Valley in Northern California to Los Angeles. You go and work your butt off. Uh, with the LDS alumni in California. Taysom Hill, you've got the Southeast. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, you've got the Northeast. We're going to build an army of boosters and fundraising to go dig into this huge fan base that we have and say, buy stock in the program. If you want to complain about the the shortcomings that we have or the things that, are, that, you know, it's hard to recruit to BYU and all this stuff, what neutralizes all of that is cold, hard cash. We have this weak sauce collective that hasn't brought a lot in. We have the Built Bars thing that turned into a fiasco. Our neighbor up north is giving 85 trucks that just absolutely clown suits what we're trying to do in the NIL, and they look so much better than us. We've got to ramp it up. We've got to save BYU football. And unless we want to become... The Stanford or the Northwestern or the Vanderbilt of our conference, the cute little team that could, who has all these things going against it. They win four or five games, and every once in a while they might have a winning record in conference, and everybody celebrates. Unless we want to become that, we've got to ramp up our NIL because we can't out-recruit these teams. Now, we can go into Texas and get Texas high school kids who would choose TCU, Baylor, or Texas Tech, or Houston over us. But if we have more money, then we can get those kids into Provo. Honor code, who cares? Living in Provo, who cares? Not being LDS, who cares? Money wins out. That is the message of hope for BYU fans going forward with the NIL. Texas Tech pays every single player on their team. This is Texas Tech who has never won anything. They pay every player on their team $25,000. It's just a starting fee for playing for them. So here's a full-ride scholarship. Here's a food pass. Here's a stipend every week or whatever, plus $25,000 cash to play for the Red Raiders. BYU's got built bars, and they're giving their kids a $3 royalty check for how many Cougar Tail flavored bars they sell. It's amazing to me 
with all of the ingenuity and all of the business acumen and people from BYU in the business world who are big BYU fans go all across the country to do graduate school all over the place, that they have not figured out how to come together and fire up a NIL collective that can kick the butt of anybody else in the Big 12. Texas is gone. Texas has a great big NIL, obviously. Oklahoma, probably the same. Everybody else, you should be able to out NIL if you're BYU because of your fan base and all those other things that I said. And they haven't yet. Uh, Anything else, Larry? There's 67 teams in the Power Four conferences going forward in 2024 when it goes to four. There's 67 teams. BYU in 2023 had the 66th best recruiting class. So near rock bottom. UTSA had a better class. UCF had a better class. They're behind Vanderbilt. They're behind Rutgers. Now, you can go and get... Here's the other angle I would do if I was BYU. I would say, look, we we can go and get in the transfer portal. We can go get some guys who are, you know, power five or at least good group of five guys at receiver. Keelan Marion's been great. Lassiter's been good this year, right? Some of the transfer guys, they got Aiden Robbins, who hasn't had an opportunity to be be great because nobody can run for BYU this year. You can maybe go and get some of those guys. A.J. Vongpachong from Utah State is a legitimate power five talent. Some of these other guys in the defensive secondary are group of five all-stars or FCS kids who are nice to, as a gap, um, get over the gap in the transition to have those guys just for this year. But going forward, you need power five guys at every position. You can get transfer portal guys at receiver. The big NIL investment has got to be in the trenches, in the defensive line and the offensive line. It has been obviously the biggest problem this year. I'm investing in big, mean dudes from all over the country who might not, who might not, uh, we might not, if you're BYU, you might not win over Bama. You might not win over Texas A&M. You might not win over Texas or USC. But maybe you can get a kid who is from Texas who will choose you over Houston and Texas Tech and even TCU if you've got the pool of funds. So that that that's why there's that's why there should be hope for a dis uh, for just a ticked off BYU fan base is in this era you're not a slave to your to your program anymore your program reputation. You're not, you're not a captive to having an honor code or tough to recruit or any of that stuff, market size. Just go raise a bunch of money and go pay kids. And it sucks that it's come to that, but that's what it's come to in college football. Anything else about uh, BYU over the weekend, Larry? I don't have anything else. Do you? No. Okay, we'll get to, we'll get to more uh, on BYU later on in the show. Let's go to Utah State. How about the Aggies? 41-24 over Nevada. They uh, Utah State covered. They ran for 292 yards. I know Nevada's horrible, but that is a huge number for Utah State in the Blake Anderson system. Cooper Lagarde threw for like a buck 92. He's got his job back. They got five wins. They got two games to try to get bowl eligible. I know they got Boise State, winnable game. And do they have New Mexico, Larry? In the last two, they could finish with seven wins if they could uh, if they could beat Boise State. Yes. Let's go uh, Utah Tech. 
I know it's rose-colored goggles. Anytime I talk about Utah Tech, I'm always positive. And the narrative this year is like always been, oh, close, but not, you know, it was close, tough battle game. And we kind of say that every week, and they're battling and stuff, which is good. And that was kind of the case again against Austin P. They had the lead early, couldn't sustain in the second half. Austin P was able to run the ball. Kobe Tracy for Utah Tech had one of his best games of the year. 376 yards throwing, two touchdowns. The running back for Austin P. Javon Jackson had 192 yards. Once again, for Utah Tech, the Achilles heel is third down and fourth down conversions. Three of 13 on third down, 0 of 2 on fourth down. That's been a struggle for them all year long. They finish with SUU this Saturday at Greater Zion Stadium. Let's go to SUU. How about Isaiah Wooden? Four touchdown catches. SUU is blowing people out. Three weeks in a row, they're kicking butt. Uh, held Stephen F. Austin to 22 rushing yards. Meanwhile, they rushed for 258 as a team. That's bully ball for Coach Fitz. We're going to have him on later on this week as we prepare for SUU versus Utah Tech. Great job, Larry. Let's go to uh, Big Tad, right? You got Big Tad? Yes. All right, fire away. National Field Goal League Blitz with Big Tad. Texans 30, Bungles 27, Cincinnati Paycor Stadium. More like Pay Stroud Stadium. Joe Burrow, colorblind. Taj Boyd. Burrow can lead a horse to water, but he can't milk it. Joe Cool. More like Joe Cool, except in the fourth quarter when it matters most. Browns 33, Ravens 31. Odell Beckham Jr., please act like you've been there before. Browns punt returner, euthanasia. Gus Edwards, yum, 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 yum. Deshaun Watson, cue up some Enya. He's relaxed and clutch. Jerome Ford, more like built Ford tough. What is this, Chris Berman? Lions 41, Chargers 38, Justin Herbert, get a haircut, David Montgomery, gone, Keenan Allen, fourth down, go for it every time, I love this game, Dan Campbell, onions call, don't give up the ball, I love you, 49ers 34, Jags 3, Brock Purdy, back. Trevor Lawrence, get a haircut. Chase Young, thanks for showing up. Christian Kirk, soft. George Kittle, go and date that girl who sings Skater Boy. McCaffrey, overrated. Doug Peterson, get a haircut. Vikings 27, Saints 19. Josh Dobbs, more like Josh Cunningham or something. Derek Carr, wah. Jameis Winston, euthanasia. Taysom Hill, truck mode. Brigham, stand up. Steelers 23, Packers 19. Jalen Warren, east high stand up. Jordan Love, New Mexico ain't walking through that door. Jordan Love, last play, colorblind. Raiders 16, Jets 12. Josh Jacob, thanks for showing up. Aiden O'Connell, not great. Zach Wilson, euthanasia. Zach Wilson, Great Hail Mary attempts, though, honestly. Cowboys, Giants, who cares? Giants suck. Dak, thanks for showing up. Who cares? Got to go, Sporty. All right, way to go. 
Way to go, Lawrence. Way to go, uh, Big Tad. Uh, we'll have more NFL stuff uh, second hour with Rustin Burnside and Big Game James. All right, Larry, let's do it, buddy. What do you got? The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. Yes, you made a boo-boo. I did. Mm. I did. The boo-box. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, time for the boo-box. Let's go, Larry. It's Monday, the weekend's over, you commit all sorts of sin, debauchery, transgression. It's our job on a Monday to call it out in the sport hole. Who do we got? Oh, we got uh, James Franklin, Judas Priest. Receivers down here to the right. Here's Aller, sprints to his right, looking in the end zone, incomplete. Nittany Lions denied a two-point conversion now, uh, James Franklin is the perfect Big Ten foil to coach at Penn State, just like Kirk Ferentz is perfect at Iowa, just like Barry Alvarez was perfect all those years at Wisconsin. Your job is to win nine games, maybe ten games a year, but to take it from Michigan, just just get your butt kicked every year by Michigan and like it. And the way you do it, if you're Franklin. Now, I was critical of Utah for going conservative a little bit in the second half of their game against Washington with the pig farmer. Here's what Penn State does. They drive all the way. This is at the very, like the third, fourth drive of the game. At home in Happy Valley. They drive down to the Michigan three-yard line. It's 0-0. They run it. They throw it. They throw it. They're at the three-yard line. He decides to kick a 20-yard field goal, Larry. Against Michigan, the better team, you drive it down their throat and then settle for three from the three. That sends the message to your players, this game's over. I don't believe in us. I'm afraid of them. Let's just mail in the rest of the game. That's not the worst thing he did, though, Larry. Down nine late in the game. I don't understand the math here. Franklin, that's the audio clip we just played. Down nine with two minutes left. He goes for two. I understand that going for two when you're down two scores late gives you the option to win the game with a PAT if you get the first one. That's awesome. I'm down with that math. What I'm not down with is a you you have a nine-point game. If you go for two and miss it, which you're definitely going to do, it remains a two-possession game, meaning getting a stop or getting an onside kick, you're still down two possessions. James Franklin, the Boo Box. The Boo Box. And he's just perfect there because he will continue to coach. He's a high-character guy. He's got the program, whatever, rolling. Ten wins. You're right, nine wins. You're never going to win the uh, the Big Ten. I think he won it his second year there by some miracle. I don't know what happened in that year, Larry. Do some research because I have no memory of that. Yes. He'll never win it again. Especially with an approach like that. He's scared. He's coaching scared. The players can feel it. They're thinking, our coach is scared. Maybe I should be scared. Let's just punt. Let's kick field goals. Let's lose to Michigan. Which is exactly what they did. 24-15, right? Judas Priest. The bull box. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, let's do two-minute drill, Larry. The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. Two-minute drill. Presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. To the five, to the two, diving, touchdown. All right, let's do it. 
How about those Crimson Cliffs Mustangs, Larry? Awesome. What a game. It was It was one of the few games this year for Crimson fans where it was engaging the whole time, where it's competitive. Good for Ridgeline for balling out. They have a dynamic offense. The, uh, the kid we broke down, Nate Daly, the quarterback did good. The Graham Livingston kid lived up to the hype. He made an amazing catch in the end zone early in that game uh, for a touchdown. Crimson Cliffs was just too good. I mean, McCord Christiansen in that first half, the offensive line deserves a ton of credit. Jacob Zarati, um, Spencer Arnold was awesome. The Webster kid, uh, Easton Webster, the center. We we uh, broke down a play that he made in the first half where it's a power play. They're pulling the center and the guard and the athletic pull that a center has to make on that play, getting out going around, getting a linebacker to seal the edge was remarkable, and the line deserves a ton of credit, but McCourt Christiansen was just a dog. He was just a beast. Nobody was going to bring him down, breaking tackles, uh, had two touchdowns in the game, 161 yards. He was great. Still, Barbin was great. Malachi Lofipo made an awesome play on the edge where he just, the, the defender just left his jock strap on the ground, broke his ankles. Malachi did and kept going. That was great. Um... Owen Peterson had a nice red zone touchdown for him. So I was impressed with uh, Crimson Cliffs in a closer game probably than a lot of people expected, including Lawrence. Although Lawrence, you had it at a 10-point game, right? Yes. 33-23? Yes. And it was 31-24, so you were pretty close. Um, Nolan had it at a 25-point game. I think when the playoffs start and you get to this kind of semi-final stage you can kind of count I think on the underdog playing better than anticipated Crew Jones the kid for Ridgeline who's a ninth grader I guess he was good he's like 6'4 210 pounds running in their goal line touchdowns defense awesome on the defensive line he leads them in sacks this year as a ninth grader that was really cool McKay Wright had 16 tackles for Crimson Cliffs. And um, it was a, you know, I think the feeling after the game for the coaches and the and the fans and the players was a different feeling than they've had after blowing people out 56-0 for so long. That was an intense game all the way to the end. Ridgeline gave them a battle. And good job at the end of the game by Crimson Cliffs just keeping the ball, being aggressive, running their offense. Trust and steal. Still had a bunch of great throws. He also converted first downs with his legs a few times in key situations. So he's he's great. I mean, he's the best in, in the state. So we'll get a full breakdown about Green Canyon, the eighth seed, who they'll face in the state championship this Friday. Later on in the week, we'll do QBU breakdown their quarterback. We'll get their play-by-play man on the show as well to give us a more insider look at what to expect from Green Canyon. I'm trying to think what else, Larry. That's emptying the noggin right there. Awesome win. Congratulations to Crimson Cliffs and Coach Wayne getting to their second straight state championship game. Playing with fire. Just They're just playing... Hard, intense, inspired football every week. The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. And oh, by the way, Texas A&M fired Jimbo Fisher.
That was after a win, folks. <laughs> that doesn't happen. How many, how, many, how many coaches get fired after a victory? They scored 51 this weekend on Mississippi State. Like, what do you think Jimbo is thinking? Well, it is funny that they have one of their best offensive games of the year and he's fired. But I think what it was is Texas A&M's athletic department admin is like, we don't want this schmo to start winning, you know, end the season with a couple of victories here. Let's can him now before he goes on a streak. We know he's an eight-win, nine-win guy. And if there is a lesson, Larry, just as I go off about BYU and the NIL and how they need to just focus on raising a bunch of money and buy a good team with the NIL, if there is one singular example of why that doesn't work and that institutions matter and programs matter and history still matters, it's Jimbo Fisher. Here's Texas A&M. They pay him $100 million. They raise more NIL money than anybody else. They're buying players better than anybody else. They have one of the best talent rosters in the country, and they're still Texas A&M. So the money doesn't seem to affect how good Texas A&M is, and they are the best example of that. Some other teams have risen up because of the NIL and got more competitive and the parity and stuff like that. But Texas A&M was trying to buy a championship and I don't know if they just have the wrong guy. Top of the show, I talked about Jimbo Fisher and Luke Walton syndrome and how he was overrated and he won one title with Jameis Winston and came from the Nick Saban coaching tree, overinflated and was overpaid. He got out of Florida State when he was he was going to have a losing record his last year at Florida State. And then he can't, you know, get over the hump at Texas A&M in the SEC. So I think Jimbo's the problem. It's always that second job for a coach who has proven his legacy and won a title. It's always that second job, right? Les Miles going to Lawrence, Kansas, doesn't give a crap, sucks, goes 0-9 in conferences last year there. Um, If Ed O gets another shot somewhere, he'll suck. Urban is a psychopath, so he did okay at Ohio State, more than okay, wins a title in a second place. But most of the time, Gene Chizik, right, sucks after winning a title with Cam. Chip Kelly sucks at UCLA, even though they were supposed to be a lot better this year. And the last couple years can never do it. It's that second kind of lesser job with big money. That combination yields bad results for the team. So Texas A&M is going to have an opportunity, Larry, to do something similar. They're going to want a proven entity, a big-name guy. If they're going to go spend $10 million in a year on a coach, they're not going to get some offensive mastermind from the MAC or something. They're going to want a big name. They're going to want to go buy Dan Lanning from Oregon, if you consider him a big name. But they're going to want to go pick off a big coach, pay him a ton of money, and have him come in, kind of Lincoln Riley style at USC. And if they repeat what they did with Jimbo, if you go get Dan Lanning, I think that's a good hire. But if you go get a Brian Kelly type or a one of these kind of second, kind of the last phase of their career types who have already won as much as they're probably ever going to win and you're bringing them in to A&M to try to bring a title to you, I, I just don't think that's going to work. I'm trying to think of other guys that that could possibly be. Not a lot with titles who are still up for grabs, right, Lawrence? 
Mac Brown, he ain't coming to Texas A&M, and they don't want him because he's, you know, he's only going to coach for a couple more years, right, at UNC. Here's a college football playoff scenario that, who put it out, Larry? Was it Joel Klatt? Yes. He said, just entertain this hypothetical in college football playoff. You have a 13-0 Big Ten champ. You have a 13-0 ACC champ, Florida State. And you've got two spots remaining. Imagine a 12-1 Oregon team who's the champion of the Pac-12 because they beat Washington. Imagine a 12-1 champ in Texas who beats whoever they're going to play in the Big 12 championship with one loss. A one-loss Bama team who beats Georgia in the SEC title. A 12-1 Georgia team who loses the SEC title. And a 12-1 Washington team who loses the SEC title. If you're not a champ, you don't have a case, right? So if Georgia doesn't win the SEC, get them out. If Washington doesn't win the Pac-12, get them out. Then you've got three champions, let's say. And it's going to be the Pac-12 versus the Big 12 versus Bama. Bama's in. And then you've got Texas and Oregon 12-1 and conference champions. That's going to be a nightmare. And I'm glad anytime there's a nightmare with the selection committee, especially with the 14 playoff, and this is the last year we're going to have to deal with this. Usually I root for chaos. This year it's like, who cares? Let's just get past this season and get to the 12-team playoff. But chaos could happen if the one-loss teams win their conference championship. And the way Bama's playing, I could see them beating Georgia. Mill Rose playing great. That was their big question was the quarterback. They can bang with Georgia everywhere else. Oregon, same deal with Washington. Those are very equal teams. And Texas is going to win the Big 12 championship, likely, as a one-loss as a one lost team. So it, it makes things uh, interesting. All right, do we have Carmine today, Larry? Okay, go ahead if you've got him. I heard Andy Reid is coming to BYU next year. I heard it from a friend's wife's boss, essential oil representative, who has a friend who works with Tom Homo's Grubhub delivery boy, who said he read it on <laughs> the, the Cougar Board. All right, we got a character call from Cougar Board uh, Carmine. Uh, let's go to that. I forgot to do this earlier, Larry. Boy, I am fired up once again on a Monday, my friend. What an absolute embarrassment of a performance. They show up in their silly black uniforms with their blue highlights looking like schmucks. Smitting once again on the traditional brand that built this program, the Royal Blue. They should wear that every game, especially at home. You have a full blackout crowd who's wanting to get the heck out of there after the first two plays of the game, Sporty. We're running an end around with our dumbest, fumblest, slowest fullback. In the red zone, I'm starting to, what is Roderick thinking? Hello? Send that guy to Snow College. Maybe he can rehabilitate his, his uh, reputation at the JC level. He's not All ready right. for the Big 12. All right, Carmine. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, he, he's a little too hyped. I couldn't even understand what the heck he was saying, Larry. Sorry about that. We'll try to get Carmine later on in the week. All right, what's next, Lawrence? Change is made, Sporty. Oh, he's still going. We gotta, we gotta get Carmine back. He's he's too hopped up on his caffeine. Let's go to our next topic. We gotta wrap up. What up, buddy? You're not very bright, are you? Andy versus Randy. As we do every Monday, we welcome in my twin brother Randy to give us his constructive compliments about the program. What's going on, my brother? Happy Monday! Thanks for calling, as always, my friend. What up, buddy? What do you got? 
Well, I'm I'm uh, listening to your little you know sport hole, and yeah. I think that it's ridiculous how you're hammering the Utes about the loss. I'm not hammering you're, the. I'm not. You're 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 saying that they mailed in the second half. They did. And what you're not saying is they were playing an undefeated team who's going to go to the college football playoff, who has the Heisman Trophy winner, and were in it till the very last part of the game right. with their whole team injured. Well, I know, and it's amazing that they were close, but if you're close, you may as well try to win the game and be more assertive on offense of than, course, Of course they, were. they should try to win the game. That's what they were doing. It's ridiculous. They got a pig farmer at quarterback. What do you want him to be, <laughs> Boomer Esiason, throwing it down the field? Just one, replay? one throw in the second half. That's what just nice. not what they do. That's just not I know. what they're going to do with a lead in the second half. I, that's You have to when you're playing well, a better team. Well, All right. thanks for calling. See you later. See ya. And gentlemen, this week's Gus Johnson Award goes to. What do we got, Larry? You got the audio? Oh, this is great. This is a, a local commentator. Go ahead. Pistol for Justin Miller. One receiver either way. Fakes the handoff. Wants to take a deep shot down the field. Wooden's there. Lays it out. He's got it in the breadbasket. Touchdown. Isaiah Wooden. 39 yards. And the Thunderbirds stretch the lead. All right. Way to go, Spencer McLaughlin. You hear him on our sister station, 590 KSUB, the voice of the Thunderbirds, who are playing awesome football down the stretch here. They've got Utah Tech at Greater Zion Stadium this Saturday. Larry, you're going to be there, right? Yes. Did you have a credential? No. All right. Um, that's it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. 